This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. And my guest today is Rahil Motia. And our topic is Think Higher, Feel Deeper. This was a quote that Elie Wiesel, the Nobel Peace Prize winner and Holocaust survivor, um, said. And um, he also said, whatever you do in life, remember to think higher and feel deeper. And it cannot be bad if you do that. So today I have a Rahil, a 17-year-old, well, young man, and he describes himself as an old soul. And last week I had the privilege of having a long conversation with Rahil and discussing many topics. And indeed, I agree completely that he has so many attributes, the wisdom, the depth, the depth, the passion to inspire and uplift, to encourage others to follow their dreams. He's a very multi-talented young man, and um, he's in grade 11 at Hilton College in the KwaZulu-Natal as a boarder. And at the age of 15, he auditioned for the International Arts Talent Showcase. The CEO is, is Alsubi Ferlinden, and she's been a guest on my program a few times. And he's going to tell us all about this because he won many awards and scholarships. Very exciting. Welcome, Rahil. Oh, thank you, Sue, for having me. I really appreciate it. How would you like to start? What would you like to tell us? I basically just want to put out the premise for my story that it's to the awards and all that are one thing, but in all, if you can take one thing away from my speech or from my story today is that you can do it as well, no matter what your dream is. And a lot of people have told me that, you know, you can't inspire people that don't want to be in the arts. I'm not inspiring people that are in the arts. I am, but I'm also inspiring people who have other dreams, you know, maybe your dream is to look after your family. Maybe your dream is to go to Mars. Whatever your dream is, it's not unreachable as long as you put in the good effort, if you put in a good effort and you're willing to work hard for it. Absolutely. I so agree with you. And I think we all have dreams of different things. But you know that Emile Zola, who was a French novelist and journalist and playwright in the in the 1800s said if you ask me what i came to do in this world i an artist will answer you i am here to live out loud and i think that you will definitely have a voice Mm -hmm. and how you use your voice will Mm -hmm. be your choice when you actually look at the youth of today And I'm talking about teenagers today and our social media and so many things that are distracting and and really damaging to so many souls out there today. What is your message that you would like to really inspire them with? Because you yourself had to give yourself that message. I would probably say be patient. It takes time especially in the society we are in now, everybody's trying to fit in with their groups and trying to find themselves within fitting in. And I'm a big believer of not being two people. You know, I'm one person with everybody. Uh, I know certain people like to change themselves or, you know, like to put on a different persona for their different group. And I think 
in that, I understand why you would do it. But at the same time, you've got to like not let the chitter chatter above you distract you or get in the way of being comfortable in your skin. We're going to get back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on 101.9 High FM. And my guest today is Raheel Martier. And we are talking about his incredible journey towards stardom that he is on. But before we do that, I would like to talk about you were saying you are the same person. And, you know, it reminded me of something that uh, Albert Einstein said. He said, strive not to be a success, but rather to be of value. And I think that fits very much into what you had to say there. Be yourself. And if you are yourself, be a person of value. Yeah. And and very hard. And success means different things to everybody. Mm. It is hard. At school, tell me how your career, well, actually, let's go back to how you got involved with the talent, your, your talent show. International um, Modeling and Talent Associate. So I was 15. Um, and so that I, was two years ago. You're 17 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was about March 2020. You know, the whole world had shut down. Everybody was scared about this massive pandemic and pandemic that was happening around the world. And I've always been one person who likes to plan for their future and likes to know exactly where they're headed. So I, was talking to one of my friends and she recommended that I should audition for the International Arts and Talent Showcase, which is a showcase held annually in Johannesburg. Why did Um, she say that? What prompted her to say that? Well, we were discussing, I was just talking to her and I was like, oh gosh, I don't know what this COVID's going to do to us. I really hope it doesn't mess up any of my university applications. And we got around the talk around universities and their requirements and like what kind of thing makes you a star pupil. And I'm a hundred percent, I'm a overachiever. I'm very much, I can gladly say that. And, um, <laughs> she said to me, she was like, you should try and audition for the international arts and talent showcase. And so I did a bit of research online and I was like, oof, sounds like a big deal. Seems like a lot. And, but, you know, I've always been one of those people that have lived life to the fullest. And I'm just like, you know what, might as well try it. The worst thing they could do is say no. And that's all right. So I remember vividly waking up one morning, going to Kodak, asking them to print me headshots, which they didn't know how to do. They were just printing me massive passport photos, essentially. And I submitted those and on, I submitted that on a Saturday. And I remember Monday morning, I got a call saying, yeah, your audition's tomorrow. Uh, you need a monologue. And I was like, what is a monologue? I do not know what that is. So I quickly learned one within the space of about 12 hours. So tell us what a monologue is. A monologue is if you watch TV or films or whatever, you, whenever a person is speaking for an elongated period of time by themselves, that is a monologue. Mono, meaning one monologue. That's, that's, that's okay. a monologue. So what did you present? Gosh, this is so you forgotten? <laughs> I think I, oh, I did a comedic sketch about, 
I think it was a student who had forgotten about his assignment, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so Alsevi loved it. Uh, she really did. And I was petrified, needless to say. I had to change my shirt four times. I was sweating. <laughs> oh, no. And um, it was a scary moment for me. I did it. It was the first time p- performing online, firstly, to agents. Secondly, it was, like, really overwhelming. And then... At about two o'clock that afternoon, I received a call back from um, the International Arts and Talent Showcase saying that I had uh, gotten through to perform at the showcase in October of 2020. And for me, I said, that's it. I'm done. Like, cool. Like, I'm on my way to stardom now. Nothing can stop me. Um, and of course, I was a very little boy. I can say that I've done a lot of growing since then. The next six months were filled with a lot of growth, I would say. I think... Before I got into the International Arts and Talent Showcase, I didn't have much of confidence. I didn't have much of a voice. I was very much um, outcasted at school. It was a very like, kind of odd place for me to be in. And no one likes grade eight. I didn't like grade eight. So it was a very like wishy-washy kind of area for me to be in. You know, I didn't really find my group. I didn't find my clique. It was a hard, it was like coming through like quite a difficult period. So then getting this, like, tremendously boosted confidence boosted all those types of things so i went forward into october with high hopes and arrived at the international arts and talent showcase and for the first time felt at ease it was it was it was all right like i got that message it was all right it was going to be all right so you felt accepted you did, yeah, you because you're in a room filled with people who had the same passion as you, who had the same drive as you, who were as motivated as you. And it was like, I was like, I've never thought this before. This is weird. This is odd. And I performed on that stage and I look back at it. I'm like, that was terrible. <laughs> um, but, you know, self-critical as always. And I remember saying to myself going off the stage, I said, you know what, Rahil, you did it. You went up there and you performed something and whatever happens from it happens. You know, you can't stress yourself over it. And it was a good experience. And let alone three days later at about one o'clock in the afternoon, one o'clock in the morning, I got a call saying you had been accepted to go to the International Modeling and Talent Association in New York City. Was, was it one o'clock in the morning because it was American time? No, it was one o'clock in the morning because they had just finished the last day of the showcase as soon as they finished uh-huh. all went back to the office to phone the people who they thought so it was a lot for me i was in shock it was crazy for me to think that i was good enough to get something of this level and then the next day i went to the office the 33 and me talent office in uh, ilobo and i they gave us all like deeper information of what was to come next, what to expect. And we were told that we would go to two boot camps. We would uh, be trained properly on what to expect when we go to America, et cetera, et cetera, costs. All those kind of concerns came that next day. And for me, I was like, it's a lot. It's a lot to process. And LCB said, uh, your social marketing starts now. You need to be on social brand and your brand is your business. And, you know, you need to go on Instagram and you need to be on Facebook. And you need to be on all the social medias. 
and you need to. And prior to that, what were you on those social media? I was on social media, but like it was not active. Like I was go through it scrolling, and, and that's about it. So it was more private. very private person, very private. It was very big for me, and so then immediately when she says, "You make yourself public, you know, do all that," and I completely understand, and with a lot of respect, I understood exactly where she was going from, exactly what she was saying, and it, it was nothing was lies. Everything she told me was was true. But for me as a person, it was a lot more anxiety ridden. I was like, oof, gosh, now the whole world's going to see who I am. And that's a bit scary for me. And moving into that space, you know, I very quickly learned that everybody cares about how many followers you have. I'm like, I don't know half the people who follow me. Very daunting. It's, it's very, it's, it's a weird thing because I get these weird comments and these weird messages and it's, it's a bit, you know, I've gotten used to it now, but back then I was like, Ooh, okay, this is, this is scary. So even though being a teenager, it was, it was hard. We're going to get back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. I was a young man. I was just out of acting school and uh, got a job with the New York Shakespeare Festival in, uh, in the park. They were doing a play called Coriolanus, and Morgan Freeman was playing the lead. And I had a scene where I had this three-hit sword fight with Morgan. And, of course, I thought the play was all about my character, so <laughs> so I went up to Morgan and I said, you know, I think maybe I could, you know, wound you and, and cut, slice, and, you know. So he, Morgan looked at me with that, that look, like the one he has now. <laughs> with that, with that Morgan Freeman gaze, you know the one I'm talking about, that serious look. And he, he said to me, he said, young, he said, first of all, what's your name? I said, I'm, 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 you don't know me, I'm Denzel. And I'm, but he said, all right, Denzel, we click the swords three times, click, 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 I stab you, you fall down, and you die. Quickly. <laughs> I had the opportunity to appear with him again in the film Glory. What I saw was an actor with a God-given sense of timing, perfect ear for nuance. This great man that I've been fortunate to know and call a friend for 29 years now. He lives on the same patch of land in Mississippi that his grandparents worked sails his own boat by himself to the Bahamas, flies his own plane by himself around the country. Morgan Freeman is very much his own man. He now has his own motion picture production company. It's called Revelation Entertainment. Revelation's motto is enlighten, express heart, glorify the human experience. Well, my friend, not only is that what you've been doing your whole career, but in my humble opinion, that is who you are. I'm proud to know you and proud to honor you. This is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on 101.9 High FM. If you would like to SMS us, please do so on 34519 or telegram us on 061-895-1019. My guest today is Rahel Mortier, and we have just listened to a podcast by Denzel Washington 
talking about Morgan Freeman, and he was giving a tribute to him at the 2008 Kennedy Center Awards. And what he said was that uh, Morgan Freeman has his own film company called Revelation Entertainment. And his motto is, in Latin, express heart, glorify the human experience. What did you think of that, YouTube? Well, firstly, I thought it was incredibly inspiring and that Morgan Freeman moved Denzel in a way that I don't think Denzel knew he could be moved in. And that's the power of inspiring people. And that's the power of being a good person. And so when those, when that slogan came, I was like, that fits everything to a T and it fits exactly what Denzel Washington was describing Morgan Freeman to be. It was incredibly aligned with who he was as a person. And I think that's important. And I thought that was above all, you know, we can say all these things about people and yes, there are opinions, but when they line up that way in in that certain order and like in that certain form, some call it fate, but realistically it's true. So I, I sent, was... you thought it was good. I sent it especially, I put it on especially because it spoke to me of you and, uh, and your truth, quite honestly. And that came across very clearly to me when you and I had that long conversation the other day. And so when I heard uh, Denzel Washington describing this revelation entertainment, I thought, look what he's done with his voice. Mm -hmm. Look what he has done to allow people to hear what he has to say. And by the way, his acting career started at the age of nine. So yours also started earlier. Let's go back a little bit further. You were talking now about uh, the, the showcase and... Mind you, let's rather finish that. I'm, I'm getting off the point here. So you actually had time to prepare before you were sent off to New York. But tell me about the boot camp. You mentioned a boot camp. What did that yeah, entail? So, so there were two boot camps. Um, right. And they were there two days, starts on a Friday, ends on a Sunday, of intense um, training, whether that be with your monologue, your your song that if you're a singer, your, your dancing choreography, if you're a dancer and your modeling walk, if you're a model, and as well as a whole bunch of other training sessions like media and callback sessions. We had a mock callback sessions. We had, we got the full experience of what it was going to be like in the States. And we are one of, and LCB is one of the only groups that do those types of training. It is intense. It was very intense. And I think what it was more intense for me was that you had to change about six times a day <laughs> into different outfits and to, to different clothes. And, you know, suddenly, firstly, your wardrobe expands into something enormous. And secondly... Did they it, choose your wardrobe? Well, it had to fit with your brand. So everything had to be brand specific. So and what was your brand that you chose? My, well, my brands are very European kind of brand, very city of London kind of brand. Um, uh, it is a lot more mature for my age than normal. And that is because I could possibly play a lot of a person a lot older than what I currently am. Um, and I 
don't know if that's a bad thing. I don't know if I'm looking old already, but it's... You're looking great. It's so <laughs> nice to see your face. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was, you know, you got to find it. When they told me brand for the first time, I was like, oh gosh, what's a brand? I don't know. This is hard. And so I remember we had to specifically design mood boards for ourselves to know exactly what would suit us, what tones would suit us, where where we could fit, which market we'd be appealing to. So that was one of the hardest projects I've ever done in my life. I can firmly say that. And so I did that. And when I did that, it kind of gave me a more sense of alignment, like where to go, what to shop for, what to buy, what to wear, what not to wear. So, and then putting it all together and remixing it over a whole bunch of time to create new things. It was, it's stressful. I mean, a lot of people don't think it's stressful. It can be stressful. Of course. And so, it's new. And what it's about new. the people that you mixed with? Did you feel that you were more accepted there, that they understood you more? What did you feel? In this industry, there are a lot of different people. Yes, I've met divas along the way. I've met people that I'm probably going to be friends with for the rest of my life with. But as a whole and as a group, we were labeled as a family. Now, for me, that's a strong word. Like, my family is my family. Like, they're my blood. And I can say that firmly for a lot of people that I've met and a lot of people that I'm close to. And for me, being in that environment you know, I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't competing with anybody. Nothing was a competition. It was never malicious saying, you know, I, I saw you walking down the runway and I think you're, and in my head, I'm saying you're much better than me. And I'm so jealous of you. In my head, I'm like, you're way better than me than me and that I could ever do in my entire life. And, you know, my, I took my hat off to you because you're, you're really that good. And that's what, that's what it was. It wasn't a competition between anybody. It wasn't, even though we were going for a competition, it wasn't, it wasn't competitive. It was all, you know, we all gave each other constructive criticism, you know, it, and it didn't matter what your age was. There was a late, there's a lady there who's a grandmother and there's a late, and there's a girl there that's three. The wow. age is significant and it didn't matter where you came from, what your story was, where your background was from. It mattered that you were there at that moment and we were all together as as a unit. And I think that was important. So Absolutely. the people I got to meet along this journey, I mean, if I didn't have my friends, I probably wouldn't be anyway. How oh, fantastic. Really, it sounds wonderful. And, you know, I was, I was actually looking up uh, what I discussed with Al Subi before, and it says the International Arts Talent Showcase we believe that you control your destiny. We believe in fostering potential. We believe that when you follow your dreams, you encourage others to do the same. We believe that in every moment we have two options, to step forward into growth or to step back into safety. And by the sounds of it, you very definitely step forward into growth, which is quite amazing. Now, let's go back to... When the boot camps were over, you'd done all the prepping, you'd been disappointed with the, the different lockdowns and travel restrictions, and eventually you departed in July 2022 uh, for the United States of America. Now, tell me about that. Well, I remember the week before I left, 
it was a whole bunch of, like, I just constantly wanted to pack. And I just, like, I wanted to go. Like, I was ready to go. I was ready to leave. And constantly, you know, I, I think I found myself so busy doing so many things that week that I never actually took time to process, like, this is happening. And it's happening now. And we need to remember that, that that's what, that's what happening. And that's what's happening. Um, and at that point, my head was all over the show. Like I was a headless chicken. And the day I left, I remember exactly which seat numbers I was on. It was crazy. The amount of detail that I remember. And I remember landing in New York for the first time. And I was like, I'm in America. That's, I'm here. Um, and the only time it actually hit me was at passport control when they stopped me. Of course they did. <laughs> my luck. And they stopped me and they kept, and they asked me a whole bunch of questions of why I was in, in, in America. And only then did it click. I was like, Oh, I'm here for this. <laughs> and it's actually going to happen. And I, I went up a few days earlier to kind of get a feel for the place, get, get to know New York. And of course I've never been to the States. So it would have been a nice time to just tourist around, etc. And I don't know why, but I felt this sense of overjoy. And I didn't know if that was because I hadn't been overseas in a couple, couple of years that I'd been secured to my own home and town and city, but it was just so freeing to be in a society such as New York. And then to know that I'm there for like the largest selling convention in the world was like an extra like booster in being in the States. So it was, I mean, it was like overwhelming. Surreal. Um, very scary, I'd say. It was a very scary, scary time. But at the same time, it was inspiring. It was humbling. And overall, overall I, I'd never woke up and said I was sad. Um, I remember one night in New York, I went to hospital. I was in hospital for one whole night. I was discharged. I had an allergic reaction to something. Uh. Long story. And I was in hospital the entire night and I was discharged at four o'clock in the morning. Now I lied, five o'clock in the morning. I was back at the hotel by six. Uh-huh. And I had an hour of sleep and by seven o'clock I was in my next competition. Good. I made sure I was like, I came to New York not to stay in a hospital and inside my bed. <laughs> I came to New York to work. That's and- amazing. And you know, only uh, you, uh, a thousand of you auditioned and mm-hmm. only a hundred of you got through. So uh, you were determined to prove that you were worthy of being there, weren't you? Yes, I was very, very, um, (laughs) I feel like leaving a mark doesn't have to be something as massive as it needs to be. Leaving a mark can be something very small. And that's what I try to do with everybody. I try to leave a mark. I I don't want somebody to think back in my life in 80 years and say, Oh, Raheel, oh, that character, I know him. And I want Raheel, I want people to know my name as something that's left a good mark in their lives. Oh, Raheel, he helped me with this. Or Raheel helped me get through that. Or Raheel was there for me at this time. That's what I want it to be. And that's the narrative I want to control. And that's something I've learned in being on social media is controlling the narrative. Because a lot of people like to say a whole bunch of things about what I'm doing. And, and there's a lot of yesterday. And, and so you know, like Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the only person you're destined to become is the person you decide to be. Mm-hmm. And that's 
very true. But you are um, a young man of values. Now, before we get on to all the accolades that you've got in America, I can see that you've, you've received them all very humbly. Tell me about your own background. Uh, you're a young Muslim. Uh, tell me about your family. Well, I grew up in a very, I would say, unorthodox Muslim family. We we did what we needed to do as as Muslims. We, you know, of course, fasted. We, I grew up in the sense of like learning my 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 religion. So I went to school and I read the Quran. I learned Arabic. I um, we prayed. So there's pride in your religion, hundred percent, in who you are. Absolutely. So we've always maintained that, especially today. It's very, it's a very Indian household. It's a very Muslim household. Uh, you would walk in and you will see signs and you would see pillars of Islamic scripture on the walls, as well as lovely Renaissance artwork next to it. But you will see all those kinds of things on the walls. You will see halal meat being prepped in the kitchen. You'll, it, it's a lot of, there's a lot of values and there's a lot of traditions that have just stayed constant in the house. And that's what I've been brought up with. And that's what I've always known. So. So you would probably um, fit very well into my home, a Jewish home with kosher meat and mind you, we're vegetarians. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> I love vegetarians. But so you learned your, your values from your family. Mm, and I know that you told me that your mom was from Britain, mm. from the UK and your dad was South African. Yes. And that at dinner time, he used to play classical music. I love that. Not even that. used to. He still does. We still do. He's, we all the okay. big thing in our family, and it's. I think it's a reason why we're so close is because I know a lot of families, and no, no, no shade on them, but you know, a lot of families eat at different times. They're all busy. Dad gets back late. Mom needs to feed the kids. Kids need to get to bed. Get that a hundred percent. But for me, ever since I could remember, seven o'clock was dinner time. And everybody was at the dining room table mm -hmm. and there were no phones. It was just the hi-fi <laughs> and classical music. And we all sat down and we all had a discussion about our days or what, what it was just, it was just a nice time to sit and be together. And that's why I think as a family, well, my intermediate family were very close. So I'm very close with my brother, him and I are hip to hip, basically we're very inseparable. I'm very close to my dad. My dad and I have been told, I've been told, my dad and I are basically the same person, just a couple of eight years apart. And I'm very close with my mom. I'm a big mom's guy. I'm a big mama, mama's boy. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Um, so I think that's the reason we all, we all very close together. Which is wonderful. And mm. how did they feel about you going into the arts? Because, um, I'm sure they, they have a, a different idea of, of education, perhaps. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, they do. It was My... anything like a Jewish home. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyers, doctors, uh, accountants. Doctors, exactly. My... <laughs> My dad introduced me to the arts with classical music. As I said, uh, he showed me a whole bunch of biopics of Amadeus, of, um, of Mozart and then of Beethoven. So I, I grew up watching that. And so I was introduced to the piano very early on. So that's like, that was like my stepping stone into the arts. A fantastic teacher and things just went really well for me in primary school in terms of the arts. And that's like when I realized I was like, you know, this is, this is what I want to do with my life. And never for a moment did my parents ever doubt that I could do it. 
of course, every parent would want their child to be safe and secure. And that's, of course, what my parents always brought up with me was my safety and my security. But overall, they were really happy for me to carry on doing it. And my brother was a big help because my brother is kind of like my bail goat. You know, he kind of he helps getting me out of things. Even when my parents aren't happy about it, he helps get me out of things. So he was always very big. He's like, no, Rahul must go and Rahul must do this and Rahul must do that. And we have to let him go. We have to let him try. We have to let him explore. And in that sense, my parents have given me a lot of freedom, which I'm entirely grateful for. They've given me a lot of freedom to express who I want to be and express where I want to be and what I want to do. And they've, they've put on no restrictions whatsoever. So when it comes to, oh, there's an acting masterclass happening. Can I please go? Of course you can go. You know, it, 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 it comes down to all of those things. And of course there, my, my parents philosophy is very much go to school, get you, get your, get your degree and do whatever you want. That's my parents philosophy, which I actually agree with a hundred percent. There's a lot of value in going to school. There's, now looking back on it, there was value in going to science class. I hated it. I failed it, but there was value in it. There was value in all these things that except that had nothing to do with what I wanted to do outside of school, but there was value in it. And there was, there was a reason why I had to do it. And that's why I like to take things out of certain, certain places. There's some things I've learned in biology, which I'll never, ever, ever like I don't know the difference between my lung and my rib. So <laughs> I think there's value in in being in in being in different circumstances and different educations and learning from from different things. I mean my mom has said to me, she's like, I've learned so many things that I never thought I would actually learn through you. Because she was like, You are in acting and you you do monologues, you do all these things. And you do fashion shoots and all those kinds of things. She's like, I've never ever, I've ever actually thought I would learn what the difference between a headshot and a model shot is. My mom was like, I never think I would ever have to know that. So, so you're all think, teaching each other. Now you're so, in grade eleven. Absolutely. Yeah. So are you going to do your matric still? Um you are. It is, oh, it's good. also one of my personal goals to go and get a university degree and finish my trick. It's like one of those things that I've been building up for so many years and that I want to finish. We'll be back shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on High FM 101.9. And I am back with Rahil Motier, and our time is running very quickly. But um, we were about to discuss what he is going to be doing when he goes to university. What degree are you going to choose to do? Uh, I would like to do a Bachelor of Arts in Dramatic Arts. And that will either be in New York uh, or in the United States, where I've been offered a place at the American Music and Dramatic Arts Academy in New York and Los Angeles or at the New York Film Academy or the New York Conservatory of Dramatic Arts. And in, but I'm also looking at, uh, in London to go to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. That's my dream school. I've been wanting to go there since I was 10. And have you applied for that? I can only apply next year. So I've got a little time to prep, but I'm very much excited. 
Well, you know, let's actually look, I interrupted you then, but then let's look at uh, the awards and the scholarships and the callbacks that you received. Many of you received those or were only were there a few of you? There were a lot of people that received awards and um because you know we it wasn't just South Africans going to New York, it was South Africans going to New York as well as thousands of people from in and around the United States wow. and the world coming to this convention. So it wasn't oh, just us, we were just one exciting. group. Exciting. I have thousands of people so we were there and a lot of people from other groups won awards so many people won awards and in our group we were a very strong group i must say as 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 a whole we were united we were focused we were we, we knew what we wanted and so a lot of people in our group especially got a lot of prizes which was which was great ah, amazing now so you got tell me how many awards you received and what were they for? I received eight awards, uh, oh, seven awards, seven awards. Um, and they were one was so, oh gosh, I'm testing my memory here. Um, one was for monologues, one was for TV real people, one was for oh, cold reads, one was for. Oh Doesn't matter. You, you got eight awards. I, I got around those awards, yes. Something <laughs> along all the categories that I had won through. And then tell me about the scholarships. So the American Music and Dramatic Arts Academy awarded me with a scholarship to study there for four years for my full degree. They gave me about seventy thousand US dollars. Wow. Which is massive and was a massive achievement for me. I mean, first first university secured which is great. And so I actually went to go visit their campus while in New York and very impressed with their, the quality of education that they're offering. So it was, it was massive for me to go see that place and to see where I could possibly one day be studying. And then the New York Conservatory of Dramatic Arts offered me a, a scholarship, which I haven't fully investigated yet, which I'm still investigating. So hopefully we'll see maybe one day. And then callbacks. What do callbacks mean? So callbacks. So the whole, the, the people that are allowed to watch you perform in, at this, in, at the International Modeling and Talent Association are agents. They're professional agents from around the world. That's the only people who are allowed to watch you and to judge you. Ah, okay. So it's almost, I guess you could say it's almost like idols in a way. You know, you, you go, you get judged and then they like you, they call you back. But for us, it's four, it's, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, no, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So four days of talent, of performing, of categories, et cetera. And then on the Thursday, which was the last day of the convention was callbacks. So in the morning you would meet with your group. And your agent would hand out your callback sheets of all the agents that want to see you and want to meet you. And so got about 10 of those. And off I went to go meet all of them. I didn't get to meet every single one because there are lots of lines to wait in because everybody wants to meet these people. And it went fantastically for me. We are in discussions with a lot of the agents that I met there. And it was lovely to know that, um, you know, I'm always one of those people that likes to doubt themselves a lot. 
So I would like wake up in the morning. I was like, was that good enough? Did I do that right? Was I okay? All those kinds of self-doubts. If you have learned to believe in yourself a bit more. Well, 100%. I definitely think that confidence comes with time and getting comfortable in your skin takes time. And for me, it took a lot of time. And for me, confidence is not just about going out there and being able to perform. Confidence is taking the step on deciding to perform. Confidence was taking the step into getting on a plane to go to the United States. Mm. Confidence was pressing the submit button to submit my application to go to the International Arts and Time Showcase. That for me was confidence. Absolutely. So it was little steps, but they were huge steps if you look at them all together and what they've taken you to. Mm. Uh, it's quite amazing. What I would like to ask you, you know, you said that you you have often found it a little bit difficult to fit in with different groups. Mm. How have your social peers at school, how have they accepted the person that you have become, the what you have achieved? Well, I must say I overall have a very supportive dorm. They are very supportive in what I do. and So that's your dormitory at your boarding school? my dormitory school. at school. And, you know, they, they're overall great. We're going to get back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program, and I'm with Rahil Mortier. We've been chatting about his um He's exciting, all the exciting things he's done, the person that he is becoming and has become. And, um, you know, I love what uh, Khalil Gibran said. He said, I slept and I dreamed that life is all joy. I woke and I saw that life is all service. I served and I saw that service is joy. Isn't that beautiful? And I think what you, what you, have been talking about is what you want to give to the world, that you want to be of service to the world and make a difference and make people realize that they can follow their dreams, dream big and step into those shoes. How would you like to end? I would like to end by saying that in every dream, there are steps and in every steps, there's decisions and your decisions are based of who you are Absolutely. and you're made up of everything that you've grown up with. You do have the choice to change who you are every now and then in good ways and bad. But I think if you're going to want to achieve your dreams, you need to have a lot of courage in yourself and the courage of who you are, no matter who you are, where you come from to know that you're in a place and a time for a reason. I am one of those people that I'm thankful that I'm sitting here on a radio present on, on, on Kai FM talking about my story. It's here. It's happening for a reason. There's a Absolutely. reason. Someone that's probably listening that I would hope, pray and hope that it is being inspired. And there. I'm quite sure they will be. And it's the resilience that you have shown and the courage you have shown to actually take that next step mm. and follow it through. We're going to have to wrap up, Rahil. We'd like to follow your progress. So as you go on, we would like to hear a bit more from you in future programs. And, you know, when Elie Wiesel, we started with the topic, Think Higher, Feel Deeper. 
Elie Wiesel, who was a Nobel Peace Prize winner and a Holocaust survivor, said, Think higher, feel deeper. Don't treat other people as adversaries. Respect them. When you are out in your community, think higher. And when you are face-to-face with another human being, feel deeper. Be more of whatever you are. We are here for a very brief time. Do something remarkable with every moment. And that's what I wish for you, that you go on being the person that you are, being remarkable in your own skin, and we will follow your progress. Thank you so much for being on our program. Thank you, Busi, for keeping us on air. But we have a song at the end, which is uh, the Mecca Beats One Day, and it's not going to come out on the podcast but it will, you can download it yourselves. This podcast will be available in the evening, Tuesday evening, and it will be on YouTube as well later in the week.